Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. I'm under no illusions. This podcast is a drip in the ocean of blogs, podcasts, commentary about a million possible subjects. And yet, as circumstances have progressed for me, around me, I have begun to see a pattern, even a kind of providential direction, in my having decided in May to take up this personal microphone. Although my pastor engaged in Herculean efforts, most of them successful, to keep our parish open and alive outdoors during the pandemic, which, at least in California, is still wreaking social and personal havoc on the physical lives, emotional lives, and psychological lives of all of us, I can say that For me, as for others, there was initially a massive breakdown, interruption, distortion, if you will, of my sacramental life. Now I'm told some people perhaps did not feel this, or they felt, some still feel, less inhibited spiritually by the restrictions on the church. But for me, an essential daily spiritual routine was disrupted and nearly sidetracked me spiritually. I needed to find something to bring back my, or rather to glue my life at home with my religious practice. With the pandemic lockdown, the level of vitriol on the political scene, in the social media, there seemed to be a thick fog between me and my relationship, tenuous always on my side with God. Before we were allowed outside to celebrate the Mass, remember that there was a period where you couldn't do any kind of celebration. I think it was weeks or a month. I watched the Mass on television. I prayed along, but I kept sensing something more was needed from me. And so I began tentatively in May of 2020, this still evolving process of podcasting. Interviews are still a challenge, as most possible guests are afraid of appearing, even at a social distance at my home studio, and I am tentative of my remote recording skills. I had one friend help me to see if I could record, but that wasn't quite enough, and I discovered by looking at a YouTube instructional video yesterday that there were other things I could do to assure the recording, so I'm going to ask another friend to test that aspect of things, someone I talk to regularly on Sundays by Skype usually, but I'm going to send him a link and test out the new information that I have about recording remotely. So, though I have done a few interviews and have about four or five other people willing to be interviewed if we can do it remotely, I have mostly been doing it just myself, talking about something or another about being Catholic in this insane world. Every week, by about Monday, I publish on Saturdays, I conclude in anxiety that I have nothing to talk about this time. And besides, what does it matter? I'm not reaching that many people in the technological internet see except a few of my fellow parishioners whose enthusiasm is really all that seems to keep me going forward with it. 
along with the fact that it continues to connect me with my faith. The last month has been additionally stressful and inclined me toward a bit of a lazy resignation as it pertains to doing this program. In late September, I finally tackled need to hire someone to do waterproofing remodeling on my 60-year-old terrace, although now, as of this date, a month on, the work is nearly completed. My sliding door for entrance to the terrace is removed and has been replaced by thick wood to protect me from marauding outside until I get my new sliding door, which should be this week. But my small condo apartment is cluttered with things belonging on the terrace. There is dust from the debris that was hauled away all over, which I have half-heartedly cleaned because it still gets kicked up until the work is finalized. Thinking the work would only be two weeks, I purchased a lounger I had expected would already be positioned outside, but instead is sitting in the only still open space in my living room. The year anniversary of the placing of a stent in one of my arteries of my heart required the full panoply of tests to happily conclude that the implant is doing its work, but perhaps foolishly, I set up a series of other preventative medicinal appointments, one of which revealed a tiny but definite nodule in one of my breasts requiring a biopsy. Now, that is a surreal experience that happily has demonstrated nothing cancerous. I have one appointment left, which is always a concern giving my family medical history, but I'm praying, and this program, as I said, helps me keep the glue going between my outside life, my secular life, and my prayer life. So, in addition to the closed churches, the political mayhem, I, like so many of us, have been feeling overwhelmed-ish. Deciding what to talk about about being Catholic seemed less than an exciting prospect week to week, and yet it certainly appears that God provides. One other thing about the wood on my sliding door, that sliding door provides almost all the light to my living room with the exception of my kitchen window, which provides a bit. So during the day, if I'm inside, it is like night in my living room. So here I was on Monday, which was what, October 26th, trying to decide what to do with my day in the dark in my living room and not wanting to spend my entire day in my bedroom. I couldn't be on my terrace. It was impossible to get up there at that point. So I pulled out my iPad for some inexplicable reason. I found myself wondering whether the new movie on Father Patrick Payton, known as The Rosary Priest, which had been released around October 9th, was available for streaming. Well, maybe it wasn't really inexplicable that I was looking for him, because as you know, I have interests that pop up in various, quote, ordinary saints, people who did not do dramatic suffering and dying as martyrs in their days, but did or said things that made them holy and tend to lead other ordinary folks, like myself, toward holiness. I've mentioned them, Fulton Sheen, Cardinal John Henry Newman. Lately, I did a whole 
program on Carlo Acutis, the 15-year-old from Italy who died um, in 2006 and has been named a blessed. Although he was ubiquitous in the 1950s, the 1960s, the 70s, Father Patrick Payton has only recently gotten onto my radar, and I hope I can bring him onto yours, if not otherwise there already. To see video of Father Peyton preaching to huge crowds is for someone of my generation to see a kind of familiar sight, an Irish Catholic priest with a comforting lilt passionately exhorting the gathered to faith. At that time, faith was arguably more accessible to all of us, even if the United States had no particular religion because of the very proper prohibition against a state-established religion. But still, the freely practiced faith, we all agreed on basic principles of truth and goodness. We were united not only in our national identity as Americans, no matter from where our ancestors hailed, but also in our sense of, of something above us, something or someone to whom we owed allegiance and our best behavior, no matter what the particulars of our respective faiths. Even the secularist had a sense of that outside of his personal feelings and the desire to impose them on others. What I've learned is that you didn't have to be Catholic to appreciate Father Peyton or to subscribe to his simple mantra, the family that prays together stays together. Today, such an innocent exhortation is probably seen as quaint to a society which has displaced God in favor of human divinity. That's the thing I've come to. It's all the more important in this secular society that seeks to displace it. I've told you that though I was raised Catholic, praying at home played no part in my young life. My parents did not pray at home publicly. I can't say whether either of them prayed privately except on uh, very rare occasions, I cannot remember more than maybe one or two, they didn't attend Mass. We never said grace before meals, and while I had many sets of rosaries provided by my school and a couple of other relatives who were quasi-religious, I don't remember ever much using mine for actual prayer. Now, there was a mist of Catholicism around the home, my mother had an infant of Prague statue with a costume behind a curtain in the single bedroom. We had, or I had, a Bible given to me by my Aunt Kathleen when I was 11. This was a time in which Father Peyton was fully operating in the 1950s and 1960s, making his Hollywood television shows with many Hollywood stars, and not all of them Catholic. I had no real awareness of him at that time that I remember, although now I'm obviously aware that he was a great presence then. So now, in the middle of a pandemic lockdown, suddenly online there is this explosion of televised rosaries. A new movie about this priest, Father Peyton, whose key prayer for the family was the rosary. And I find myself pulling out one of the many I have collected over the years, but 
a particular one, a special one, because it touched several holy places when I was in Israel a couple of years ago. And I began to participate in a 54-day novena called the Rosary Across America for the Nation, for the Church, with relevant radio and Father Francis Hoffman, an Opus Dei priest also known as Father Rocky. And here's the thing. I began to sense, to know even, the power of prayer in a way that I never have because of the rosary, and more than that, praying it with others, me, the loner, developing a sense of the community of prayer and its efficacious nature. And then this little program, it exists for however long, and sort of in a providential way can bring my discovery to you, for you, Perhaps you haven't discovered it before. Perhaps you just need to be reminded of it to discover its efficacy or to be reminded of its efficacy. It's almost as if I have been given a direction to mention the Rosary Priest and the existence and the power of the Rosary. Do you know that Father Peyton has been dead probably since 1992, but his family theater, which produced the videos for years about the rosary and prayer, still exists on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. More and more, I've come to believe that there are no accidents with God. I've heard that for years, but only lately have I come to believe it. This Father Peyton, born of a large, poor, Irish family in County Mayo. One of my grandparents, by the way, was born there, so that's another reason, I guess, for my affinity. He and his brother came to America and lived with their married sister, and both became seminarians. Peyton developed a severe case of TB, during which time he became devoted to Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose intercession with her son helped heal him, and he became a proponent of the rosary thereby. His prayer rallies attracted hundreds of thousands. I read that in one there were 445,000 people present. And like all such influential people, like for example even Mother Teresa, no matter how good, no matter how sincere, there are people in the world who seek to critique it, to taint it, to accuse it, and Father Peyton was actually accused because he was funded by some people who also were involved with the CIA with being a front for the CIA. Uh, perhaps he was, I don't know, but all he did as this so-called front was to promote a prayer. He never promoted any kind of national agenda. So here I am in this little apartment this little venue of a podcast, having been exposed in later life to Father Peyton and the Rosary. And if you are already not a believer in the power of prayer through the Rosary, here I am introducing it perhaps to a few of those who happen to hear this program. So what is this prayer? The Rosary itself is a series of connected beads. 
It is a self-contained frame of reflection of the life of Christ and the nature of the Christian faith. At the very tip of the series of beads is a crucifix. Upon that crucifix is said the creed of the Catholic Church. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You get the whole Christian faith right there in the very first moment of the rosary. And then you go along the various prayers, beginning with the Our Father, three Hail Marys, the Glory Be, and then you begin with the various meditations on the life of Christ. They are called the Joyful Mysteries, the Glorious Mysteries, the Sorrowful Mysteries, and then as created by John Paul II, the Luminous Mysteries, the Joyful Mysteries. The five meditations are on the announcement to Mary that she is going to be the Mother of God, her visitation to Elizabeth, the birth of Christ, the presentation of Jesus at the temple, and his being found in the temple, preaching at the age of 12, but scaring his parents, having been lost for two days. But of course, he was not lost at all. The glorious mysteries, which are the resurrection of Christ, the ascension into heaven, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the assumption of Mary into heaven, and the crowning of Mary, having been the human being to cooperate with God and to basically undo the act of Eve in paradise. The sorrowful mysteries, the agony in the garden, the scourging, the crowning with thorns, the picking up of the cross, the carrying of the cross, and the crucifixion. The luminous mysteries, the baptism in the Jordan, the wedding at Cana, the announcement of the kingdom, the transfiguration, and the initiation of the Eucharist. You do each of the mysteries on different days of the week. Sometimes you're going to repeat them. Sometimes you have a favorite and you do those. But in between the mysteries, the meditation on the mysteries, you pray an Our Father, ten Hail Marys, a Glory Be to the Father, which is Glory Be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. What I believe is called the Fatima Prayer, O my Jesus, save me from the fires of hell bring all souls to heaven especially those for whom we now pray after you get through the entire set of mysteries the five mysteries then you pray the hail holy queen some people pray other prayers the prayer to saint michael other prayers are added or subtracted depending how much time you have or what your favorites are now i want to anticipate an objection you are worshiping mary no. Emphatically, no. She is, she was, a human being as human as you or I. But what she is, is a special human being, a model for all the rest of us. 
She is the new Eve. She's the one who, instead of saying no to God, said yes. And so she is the human bridge of cooperation, directing us toward him. Without her cooperation, God would not have joined his human nature with us. It had to be with her agreement. Free will always reigns. Though she was a creation, though we're all creations, we have the right, the freedom to use our will as we wish. She chose God. She stands for the choice for God. She leads us in this prayer of the mystery of salvation. The reason I wanted to spend time talking about Mary and any objection to her is to point out that you don't have to be Catholic to pray the rosary. And if your objection to prayer is about Mary, she's one of us. She's not divine, but she threw her fate, her humanity, humanity's fate to God with all abandonment. And that's why she's a model for all of us. Why have I come to praying with Father Rocky and the rosary across America? When you pray while watching the net, the prayer intersects the intentions of thousands of people right on the screen. You're joining with all these other people and you can see that you are. You get a sense of the intentions for the sufferings of others, the gratefulness for prayers answered, wafting to God in heaven. Talk about solidarity as pictures of those for whom we are praying flash across the screen. Even I, the great loner, feels a sense of profound human connectedness. It percolates. We are all truly in the same boat of suffering and even better in salvation, in redemption, in the potentiality of resurrection. We are, with the help of this repetitive prayer, being led, just like the Israelites out of the desert. It takes time to do the rosary with any effect. First, you need at least a half hour, ideally even more, to pray it. But it can't be done anywhere. As Father Rocky says, in a car, at a beach, sitting, walking, standing. I usually have been doing it on my terrace, but um, I have moved locations during the late constructions on my terrace, but I look forward to going back there. In a world gone wild, it is a weapon of sanity, of begging God to apply his power for our good when we would otherwise destroy ourselves. I have begun to see it as a unique hope in a world otherwise determined to stay fallen and gleeful in its evil. We need more rosary warriors. We need them now. We need you to direct prayer to our Lord, our God, to protect us all. Go online, look up the rosary and how it's said, and maybe this afternoon you'll say it. Today, I believe it the joyful mysteries. At five o'clock Pacific time, I will be watching Father Rocky with my rosary in hand, tuned into Relevant Radio, which you can find on the net, on your radio, pretty much anywhere. And I hope I see you there. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. Hopefully, see you next week with another episode.